Well, good evening, Gilchrist Baptist Church. It is a wonderful privilege to uh, bring this specific message to you. Uh, as uh, most of you know, it is very close to my heart, the uh, whole issue of mental health. Because I'm a, a biblical counselor, uh, I believe we have uh, no right as Christians to go to any other source to help us with our, our mental health than uh, the source that God has given us, the Word of God. But uh, before you, you judge me, I want to say outright that uh, you will hear me say that there are certain circumstances where I would even advise you to take a chill pill. Having said that, uh, Andrew started this new trend, right? We'll blame the doctor of theology that he changed the uh, format of the, the sermons in the evening service where he uh, stepped us through the, the verses uh, in the form of a meditation. And then we all know Billy. Billy is uh, very passionate in his preaching, and, uh, and he really gets into it emotionally. And then there's me with my mental conditions. So as we usually do, we preach to ourselves first. So here's my sermon to me, or my meditation to me, and uh, hopefully you will benefit from that as well. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 to 17, well-known verses to most who have read through the Bible, and you may have your specific idea about this. I want to give you a, perspect a perspective of these verses as far as our mental health is concerned. Let's read, and then we'll jump into the meditation. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Are you uh, in your right mind? Who, 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 would, who, would, who would say that you are in your right mind? I know you know it's a trick question, but... Okay, Ilza, there we got two in the front, one there, Adrian, in your right mind. We usually joke with our youngest, he is left-handed, which means that he's, the right side of his brain functions better than the left side, so he's the only one in our family that is in his right mind. So let me, let, me say, let me say this, for example. Have, has this ever happened to you? Where are my glasses? Who's got the remote? Where are my keys? Just remind me of your name again. Anyone that, that has not happened to ever? Hmm. Have you ever been scared? Are you sometimes anxious? You think of the things that happen around you. Are you sometimes stressed? Will you say that in the last six months there, were, there was an occasion where you were upset? Maybe unsure? Feel closed in in a crowd? Fear of heights? Fear of spiders? Concerned about the future? These are all examples of the start of a mental illness. And I'll prove it to you in a moment. 
Let's just try and define mental health, first of all. And then, do these verses in 2 Timothy 3 have anything to do with mental health at all? Or am I missing the point totally? Fact is that mental health is on many people's minds. Pardon the pun. It's a multi-billion dollar industry built on and around trying to create a mental health condition. Have you or someone you know experienced the pain of events of this life? If you think a little bit, all of us will agree. We ourselves or someone close to us have experienced pain because of the events of this life. Some of you may know that uh, I was a soldier in the border war many years ago. And uh, I, I know very little of this, but apparently when I came back later, uh, when I read up about mental conditions, I learned that I suffered from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And here's how it uh, played out, apparently. I really know nothing of these conditions. I have my father, my brothers, and my then-girlfriend, their testimony about this. Apparently, I would just click out, click out by not knowing where I am, not caring where I am, but I was very fascinated about the birds that were in the tree. And I wanted to get them out of the tree. I didn't climb into the tree, didn't do things like that, but I was concerned about them. And then wherever I was, if I wasn't at home, then people would bring me to my home, and I'd recognize my father and my youngest brother. But I did not know who the others were, apparently. And then at some point it just went away. I did not go for counseling, I did not take pills, um, just somehow went away. It did, eh, Neta? I'm not there anymore. <laughs> just have to check, you know. So the mental health industry will claim that there is medication that can take away that pain. Whatever the pain is that you have experienced and are still carrying around, the mental health industry will claim that they can take away that pain. Medication that can help you feel better or not feel the loss as much. So as I said, don't judge me yet, especially if you are currently taking medication for a mental disorder or a syndrome. But is the medication working? How can you measure if the medication is working? What is the goal of the mental health industry? Don't take my word. The United States Department of Health and Human Services published this comment as part of its Health 2030 project. And the goal of that is to get more people mentally healthy by 2030. They say, about half of all people in the United States will be diagnosed with a mental disorder at some point in their lifetime. Healthy People 2030 focuses on the prevention screening, assessment, and treatment of mental disorders and behavioral conditions. The mental health and mental disorders objectives also aim to improve health and quality of life for people affected by these conditions. Mental disorders affect people of all ages and racial ethnic groups, but some populations are disproportionately affected, and estimates suggest that only half of all people with mental disorders get the treatment they need. In addition, mental health and physical health are closely connected. 
Mental disorders like depression and anxiety can affect people's ability to take part in healthy behaviors. Similarly, physical health problems can make it harder for people to get treatment for mental disorders. Increasing screening for mental disorders can help people get the treatment they need. So about half of all people in the USA will be diagnosed at some point to have a mental health condition. And if you are um, of the mental condition about Americans as I am, you'll say, well, that makes sense. I know some of them. I see how they react. They are a bit weird. I would say more than half of them need treatment. But seriously then, ultimately many people will agree that all we really want is to be happy. When, when people come and see us for counseling, when they sit down for the first time, they just want to be happy. There's a situation that needs to be sorted out, and usually it's someone else's problem that we must just sort out. If you can, if you, if you can just get my wife to do what I tell her to do, all my problems will be away. I'll be happy. And the wife will say, if you can just get my husband to stop his nonsense, my life will be better. I will be happy. Where and how does the Bible fit into your mental health? So we're going to talk about meditating on mental health or three steps to mental health. And three S's, you can see. First S is salvation, and then spiritual growth, and then psychology. I'm Afrikaans. I don't know about spelling. Right, let's start with mental health, number one. Mental health in salvation. We'll read uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Just note the but as for you in the beginning of verse 14. The but always means there's something else. There's a condition before that that was explained that now we get the opposite or a better explanation of that condition. And that but is then in 2 Timothy 3 verse 13 that reads, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So there's a warning before we get to the information we want to discuss now about improving our mental health. There are impostors who deceive. So Paul warns against them and then gives advice on how we should do the opposite. What do we need to do to do right? Do not be a deceiver or not to believe and be influenced by the deceivers. But what you do is you hang on, as the verse says, to the truth that you learned. That was the advice that Paul gave to Timothy, his young pastor friend. You hang on to the truth that you learned. You trust the good news about Jesus. You don't just start and stop with the truth. You, you hang on. You continue. You don't give up. What you have learned, he says, remember that. Go back to that. Remind yourself of that. Not only what you have heard, but what you have learned. The difference between hearing and learning, isn't there? I often hear Nettie say, this is how I should do the dishes. I eventually learn how to do it. There's a difference. You firmly believe. Firmly believe means you don't waver. You don't go this way and that way. You're not like a door that doesn't have a lock. You also remember from whom you have learned it. 
Make sure that you expose yourself. You surround yourself with people who remind you of the truth. You don't have to go and listen to false teachers to determine what the, what the truth is. There's a well-known story. I don't know how true it is. I've never been to, to the Reserve Bank or whatever the bank is in America. Apparently, they teach the investigators who find false dollar notes. They never let them handle false notes. They only let them handle the true, the real one. And they get to know the real note so well that when they come across a false note, they immediately know what it is. And that's what it means to firmly hold on to, to believe, to remind yourself. As you handle the word of truth the whole time, so that becomes your reality more and more. God's program for mental health starts with knowing who Jesus is. So if you're not a true believer, if you're not a Christian, you have no hope of being mentally healthy ever in this life. God is creator and sustainer of life, even everlasting life. And God makes the rules and he sets the standards for us in this life. Step one is to get with that program. Salvation is step one. Once saved, you've already taken the first step towards mental health. Without salvation, you have no hope of ever being mentally healthy. Again the verse. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Trust the teacher. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, only the true word, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then number two, mental health shows in your spiritual growth. How healthy are you? You measure it by how you grow spiritually. And you still may think, well, what? how do you get this to mental health? Hang in there, we're getting there. Verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So Timothy, according to Paul's testimony, has had the benefit of sound teaching since childhood. There are some of you here who have had that benefit. Does it show? There are others here that may say, well, I've not had that benefit. I've only been a Christian for a short while. This is not me. You may only have heard the truth recently. It doesn't matter that much. But you may not get stuck there. You may not say, well, I, you know, now I have Jesus. That's it. I'm on my way to heaven. I'll just stay there. No. You may not stay where you think, I don't know enough, or I've wasted half of my life. I'll never catch up to the John Pipers or the John MacArthur's or to Billy Swatch or Dr. Ockham's. So I may as well give up. So while it is good not to think more of yourself than you should, it is ineffective to use that fact as an excuse not to change. Let me talk to my old friends here. I'm also an old friend. The saying, you can't teach an old dog a new trick, is false. It is false. 
You may not get stuck on that. You must and can change more and more into the likeness of Jesus. The testimony of old saints who will say often when you speak to them, what is it that you are learning now? They'll often say, I'm becoming more aware of my sin now than ever before. And then they ooze Bible. They live it, they speak it, they pray it. Are you a Christian? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have a Bible? Yes, yes, and yes. You have in your possession God's sacred writings. Paul instructs Timothy on the value of these writings. And the first value he reminds us of, the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. So we've spoken about that. Salvation is where it starts. And then the, the, the valuable information about salvation is in the Bible. Are you unsure about your salvation? Well, what does the Bible say? You find your assurance there. For a long time, Nettie wasn't sure of her salvation until she went to the Bible and looked at what the Bible says about what a Christian is. And we could together and with help of others compare who she is and what she is at that point to what the Bible says, not someone's opinion. It is in the Bible that we find our prophet for salvation and to salvation. If you are not saved, if you do not follow Jesus, the only verses in the Bible that will apply to you effectively are the verses about condemnation. But, dear friend, if you believe God about His Son, if you believe the Bible's version of salvation, then Paul says you have the wisdom of salvation. And then verse 16 is unleashed and activated into your life. You are unable to become more mentally healthy because of what the Bible contains. You are enabled, I'm sorry. You see, mental disease. Billy had a bit of a mental slip this morning. The truth of the sacred writings must make you wise for salvation. But Paul continues, he gives Timothy then, and us today, a short but very powerful description of the ability and necessity and the necessary effectiveness of the Bible. After all, it is called the Word of God. Verse 16 again of 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, here's where you need to start concentrating and using your mental ability. Each one of those has to do with your brain. Teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. You have to use your mind. So let's look at each one of these value statements. First one, all scripture breathed out by God. Ample evidence to lay the foundation but not time enough to convince you that all Scripture includes the 66 book, books of the Bible, as we have them today. But just one reference to uh, whet your appetite for you to investigate it further if you want to, a reference that Peter made about Paul's letters. We find, uh, and that, that includes 2 Timothy, by the way. 2 Peter 3, verse 15 and 16 says, so Peter writes to the church, and he says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you. 
according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. So here we have Peter confirming that Paul's writings are scripture. Just one example. So for now, just take my word for it, that the 66 books of the Bible were all breathed out by God, and they're all profitable. The Bible as we have it is indeed God's word. For that reason, Paul and we can confidently concur. My new English word for the week. Concur. I love it. The Bible is profitable. The Bible is effective. It gives more than what it takes. That is what profitable means in general life. And it means that definitely in the Bible. Let me confess this. It sometimes happened to me that when it is time for me to open the Bible and read, that I do not feel like it. I don't know why. My own sinful selfishness, I can think of other things to do. I don't feel like it. But dear friend, as I open it and I start reading, I cannot imagine why I hesitated at all. I gained that profit. I love what it says. I'm convicted by the condition of my own heart. Verse 16 says, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. What is teaching? Teaching answers the question, how can I understand God? What is it that I need to know about this? What can I learn from this? What can I learn about life and my response to life and to God in what I read? We ask the logical questions that will give us the next step in progressing in this life. And I can say in the context of what I am sharing with you, the Bible teaches us how to think right about this life. It adjusts our mental condition. Reproof is, according to the dictionary, criticism or rebuke for doing something wrong. So when you and I do wrong, a rebuke is not only necessary, it is to be welcomed by all of us. If you're not going to learn through the teaching, you need rebuke. So in our house, I always have my wife's permission to say these things. It works like this. I will do something. I will act in a way about something that happens somewhere. Maybe it is the tax collector that was unfair, or maybe it is a, something that happened in the church, and I will say something. And uh, Nettie will start by, are you sure this is what you want to think? That's not yet a rebuke. It becomes a rebuke when she says, you now have to stop this. It's the next level of conditioning of the mind to become more healthy. And I know what she'll do after that is she'll call one of the elders, and then I'm in real trouble. Imagine a pilot getting a message from the control tower. He's on his way, he's on final approach to land. And the control tower says, pilot of so-and-so aircraft. You can't land, your wheels are not out. And the pilot says, I don't care. I'm not going to listen to you. This is not a message for me. I'm fine in my airplane without wheels. What will happen? It's unthinkable, isn't it? Yet we're happy to do the same kind of thing and to react in the same kind of way 
with things that are much more important. Our con- the conditioning of our minds in order to worship God better. We should want people to confront us. We should want people to reprove us. That's a healthy mind, a healthy Christian mind. Why should we not get upset? Because in right thinking, Christians want to do right, not wrong. It is in the doing, it is in the obeying of God's word that you bring honor to him. If you're a Christian, you want to bring honor to him. It is not in how well you argue for or against a specific theological point that you bring honor to God. It is in obeying it. What is correction? Well, it's almost reproof, but less severe and maybe less urgent. So in our, in our situation, it will be somewhere between, are you sure you want to do this? And you have to stop this now. It may be something that Nettie will say, we spoke about this this morning, and um, although you know, you're not going to speak to Mark again today, but the last time, remember, you spoke to him and you had a tone of voice that is not honoring to God, and now it seems like it's escalating. So I, I want to ask that you don't do this again. That's a reproof. Does it make sense? Makes sense to me. Maybe it's my mental condition that does that. Training in righteousness. One of the most hope-filled verses in the Bible is Philippians 1 verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful promise? If you started with step number one, if you've received the most valuable value that the Bible brings us, the teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can honestly say, I belong to God. I am, I am part of the Christian community truly. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I have a desire to follow Him. I have a desire to obey His word. If you can truly say that, you know what? Then you're going to change. And you're going to become more like Jesus. And you're going to be mentally more healthy. God will continue to use his word to change you. And or God will use life's challenges to be effective in the change that he wants to effect in you. I don't know if there's an English saying that says the same thing. If you're not going to listen, you're going to have to feel. It's going to hurt. He will do the work, the good work, continuously and effectively. Here's 1 Peter 1 verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The very next verse after verse 6. Just take note. The training that the Bible gives is training in righteousness. Another example. We drive somewhere. This hasn't happened in a long time. It's now my imagination. We drive somewhere. We're in a hurry. We need to get there. And we will just make it according to the GPS if we keep at the, at the speed that we are traveling. And we have a flat tire. So the Bible does not give me training of how to change the wheel. But it does tell me what my attitude and actions must be while I change the wheel. Bible doesn't teach us 
uh, how to drive when the taxi pulls in front of us and stops. But the Bible tells us what our attitude should be when that happens. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. Nothing, nothing of this applies to you. I'm just preaching to myself to adjust my mind. The Bible is a training manual for you to be righteous, to learn in this life how to live righteously. What does that mean? You may recognize the words of Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is, it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The Bible will change you in line with what the Bible will teach you. The Bible must change you. Ephesians 4, verse 20 to 24, but that is not the way you learn Christ. So wrong teaching, there's wrong teaching and wrong influences, that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So where does mental health fit into all of this? Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are transformed by the renewal of your mind. How or what do you have to do to feel better? Sometimes someone will say, I feel angry, I feel tired, I feel hopeless, I feel down, I feel afraid, some say I feel nothing. Mental health industry will give you a number of disorders. I'm so glad they don't call it diagnosis because you'll see a very clear difference between diagnosing a migraine and diagnosing any of the disorders. The whole list, uh, these include neurodevelopment, neurodevelopmental disorders, uh, schizophrenia spectrum, and other psychotic disorders, bipolar and related disorders, depressive disorders, anxiety disorders, obsessive compulsive and related disorders, trauma and stress related disorders, dissociative disorders, somatic symptoms, and related disorders, feeding and eating disorders, elimination disorders, sleep-wake disorders, sexual dysfunctions, gender dysphoria, disruptive impulsive control and, and conduct disorders, substance-related and addictive disorders, neurocognitive disorders, personality disorders, paraphilic disorders, other mental disorders, the last one. Still finding out. I'm not dissing psychology and psychiatry and the work that is done. The purpose of this message is not to prove the value or to disprove the value of mental, the mental health industry. But I have to point out two differences between the mental health industry and biblical counseling or biblical counsel. Firstly, the foundation. The foundation of the health, the mental health industry is man is inherently good and it is the circumstances that makes him sometimes bad. So if you can help him either change the circumstances 
or help him to cope with the circumstances, then life will be better. The Bible teaches us that man is inherently bad. We are born in sin. And it is only in our desperation and reaching out to God when he gives us that ability that we have any hope of becoming mentally healthy. We need help through Jesus Christ because of our inherent, inherent badness. Then secondly, the goal, and the goal of the mental health industry is, is a good one. They really want to help people. And they succeed to a certain extent to help people cope with this life. That's good. But very rarely will they find changing in the person. They may help them to change the circumstances, but often, in spite of the circumstances, it still happens. And often, medication will not help with the thinking pattern, but only dull the thought patterns. Whereas biblical counsel is, the, the, the value of biblical counseling is in the result or the goal, and that is for us to become more like Jesus. Trusting in God's sovereign plan as it works out in your life. So with that information, what is your psychological benefit in trusting the Bible for your mental health? That's our last point, the last S. Your psychological health or your mental health. How, how will the Bible then help for us to be mentally healthy? Verse 17. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Christian friend, do you want to do good work? You must want to. Well, what good work? Well, work means just living, living in such a way that it will show the value of Jesus. You remember 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 and onwards? It says, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you eat, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do you want to be equipped to do that? Bible will make you completely equipped according to our verses. And we can only be mentally healthy if we become more and more like Jesus. So what is our end goal then? Where do we want to end up? We want to be mentally more healthy. Mental is our mind. We want to stress less and we want to be more healthy in our thinking. So mental, or the word mental, um, comes from the Latin word mentalis, and it means mind. So the goal of mental health then is to have a healthy mind. The question you have to ask then is by whose definition? Because psychology will also tell us that there are different standards of mental health on different continents, among different ethnic groups, among, among different people. For example, Italians will scream and shout at one another when they have lunch about all sorts of issues. Totally normal. Try that in London. They'll call you mental. They'll chase you out. They'll, they'll want to condition you. Simple example. We find even in the same families that siblings disagree with the decisions that they make. And when one sibling and their family will talk about the other sibling and their family about the decision make, they say, they're mental. They must have lost their minds when they made their decision. So, dear friends, we are all mentally ill. We are. I've given you some examples. The only human 
who can truly claim to have been mentally healthy is the man Jesus. He is our standard. So if we compare to him, then there's a huge difference still in our mental health that we need to change to become mentally healthy. For Christians, that's the goal. That is why we do what we do. We aspire to have the mental health and situation of Jesus Christ in all situations. So until we attain the mental health capability of Jesus, we are mentally deficient. You and I are mentally ill. We have to recognize that and accept it. But if you are a Christian, you are today more mentally healthy than what you were last year. And that's something to be grateful for. And in some of you, we see that you are better. You don't have the same kind of a syndrome than what you had last year. You don't really battle with syndromes. You battle with sin. Romans 12 verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Who is perfect? Jesus Christ is perfect. Some of you may rely on medication to help you cope with life. Should you drop the pills? If you can, yes. But here is where I would advise you draw the line. If without your chemicals, you would find it impossible or very difficult to worship Jesus, then by all means take your pills. But make the focus with or without them, to become mentally healthy, not only to cope with life. And make it your focus to become more and more like Jesus, who is the only mentally healthy being that ever lived. Shall we give it a try? Let's give it a try. Let's pray. Father, we are reminded of the value of Jesus, the perfect human being that ever lived, the God-man Jesus. And if we are honest and we investigate your word, we so often find how far our mental capacity, how far our thought patterns are removed from that of Jesus. So we do pray, Lord, that you'll remind us often of that difference and that you will enable us, convict us, force us to delve deeper and deeper in, the, in your word and that the Holy Spirit will help us and convict us and encourage us to make the changes that are necessary in how we think so that we can do better at representing the perfect character of Jesus. We know that you will complete the work, but we also know that it will only happen at the end of this life. Oh Lord, so also I want to pray that if there's anyone here today that has not taken the first step the step of salvation, so that the verses that we studied this evening, discussed this evening, will have its effect in their lives. Make today the day that they will meet the Lord Jesus Christ and be aware of his perfect uh, character and will want to become like him. Amen.